the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We define ourselves very often by how much gold we have, by how important we are, what is our status in life, what have we achieved, and the like. That is Pastor Michael Oxentenko, and this is Reaching Your Heart. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, call us today at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. As a reminder, you can tune in to the live worship service held every Saturday at 11 o'clock and Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. You're most welcome to be our guest either online or in person. We will have more details on that as we continue with today's broadcast. Here is our pastor teacher, Michael Oxentenko, with today's message entitled, Holy His and Our High Calling. You can find it online at reachingyourheart.com. It is the first portion of this message. The next time we get together, we'll conclude this broadcast. Here is Pastor Michael Oxentenko. Let's pray and get into the Word of God. Father God, thank you for the selfless one, Jesus who has all the power, all the knowledge, and yet is the most humble being in the universe. We don't even know what humility is. When we strive for it, we're often proud we arrive at it. Thus, we don't get it that way. So, Father, help us to feast on Jesus, the bread of life today. We're all sinners in this place. Nobody's better than any other. We all have a cross we have to come to. We have to be broken to be saved. And maybe it's a good thing we're in a crisis, a global crisis right now. Potentially World War III, they say. Because there's no war in your heart. There's just peace. Forgive us of our sins. Keep us for your glory. And Lord, help us to live for Jesus for the sake of others and ourselves too. In Jesus' name, amen. Richard Jacobson was climbing. It's called the Superstition Mountain, East Mountains, east of Phoenix, Arizona at night. What a place, Superstition Mountains. In the Superstition Mountains, Weaver's Needle is the fabled site of the Lost Dutchman Gold Mine. How many of you like gold? You ever dig for gold? How many people here pan for gold in your life? Our family is connected to a piece of land in Tennessee that has a little stream going through it. They say there's no gold in them, their hills. I plan to spend a weekend finding out. I mean, there's something about looking for gold somewhere. You know, he was in that region, but he was for different kind of gold. He was for the gold of gathering attention to himself. People are naturally attracted to fables and superstitions and gold. And as they say, there's gold in them, their hills. Friend, we live in an age of superstition and greed fueled by the desire to frame oneself in the backdrop of these things. We defined ourselves very often by how much gold we have, by how important we are, what is our status in life, what have we achieved, and the like. As it was, Richard Jacobson walked directly in the direction of a cliff to take a selfie with the background of the city lights shining behind him because he wanted to immortalize a picture of himself. 
With the cliff behind him and the city lights before him, Richard slipped. And that is how his selfie and his life came to a sudden end. It made national news. We all slip in life. Have you ever had a slip in your life where you fell down physically? And we all fall in other ways as well. And the person who thinks they can't doesn't understand themselves very well. We all slip in life, but Richard's slip was his last one. He fell 700 feet to his death on the rocks below. A helicopter was dispatched to send people, a crew, to pick up his broken body. And now his family is having to put the pieces together because he died from a fall when he was taking a selfie. And shortly after, the authorities announced that no foul play was the cause, no drugs or anything else killed him. They said it was a tragic accident and he was only taking a selfie. What do you mean only taking a selfie? He fell to his death. That selfie and his death are intrinsically related. Richard died taking a selfie. Modern researchers tell us that selfie-related deaths have become a major public health problem. According to the Journal of Travel Medicine, from 2008 to 2021, 379 American people have died while taking selfies. That's a huge amount of people. People have died at waterfalls with dangerous weapons in their hands and from wild animals, and all because they were enamored with the thrill of taking a selfie at the wrong place and the wrong time and it didn't go right for them. Richard was 21 when he died. The average age of death of people who die from selfies they say is 24, so it's really the infliction of the young. The largest group that die from selfies is under 19. Falling from high places, like in Richard's case, has claimed 216 people since 2008. So falling is the leading cause of dying from selfies. 123 died from public transportation, like trains and buses. I'm not sure how you would take a selfie in front of a running train or something, but people die. The rest just died from things like drowning, being electrocuted, and wild animals. But they all shared the common fate of dying because they took a selfie. Here are a few famous selfie slogans that I've found on the internet. Here's a caption, life isn't perfect, but my hair is. Here's another one. Believe in the selfie that believes in you. That sounds kind of noble. Here's another one. I don't take selfies all the time. I just do it once in a while every day. And here's the one I like the least. A selfie a day keeps the friends away. Richard Jacobson fell to his death taking a selfie. We live in a world today where people all around us are falling to the death because life is nothing more than a selfie for them, a way to frame themselves in the backdrop of the world around them so others can see how important they are. Lucifer was created perfect in the beginning. The evidence from Scripture is he was the very first created being. The Bible indicates he was the wisest created being. Now, Christ is not created. Christ is before all time, the Bible says. Christ is the bright and morning star that precedes the dawn of time. Christ was in the bosom with the Father, John says, from the days of eternity. Lucifer is Hillel ben Shahar in Hebrew, the shining one, the son of the dawn. He does not precede the dawn. He follows it but he is the first created being in the universe. And Lucifer was created perfect in the beginning, perfect in beauty, perfect in wisdom. But the Bible says his heart was corrupted by reason of his beauty. He thought about it too long. He focused on himself. He moved from being selfless to selfish. And because of his selfie, he was cast to the ground. Lucifer was enamored with his own self, his selfie, I, me, and my. Look at Ezekiel 28, 17. 
The Bible says your heart was proud. Why? Because of your beauty. And you corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. And I cast you to the ground. I exposed you before kings to feast their eyes on you. Isaiah 14, 12 to 14. How are you fallen from heaven, O day star, son of dawn? How are you cut down to the ground, you who laid the nations low? You said in your heart. That means your mind, the inner part of your being, I. The very first thing he said was, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of the assembly in the far north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make, I will make myself like the most high. Self-improvement, not God in me, me. I, I will achieve greatness. All the trouble in the universe and all the pain and all the wars and all the suffering that we have gone through, our family has, and we still see it happening. All of it came because the smartest being in the universe next to God became a narcissist enamored with himself. Tragic rock star Kurt Cobain, who ended his life early by suicide, he said this, I don't care what you think unless it is about me. I don't care what you think unless it's about me. Brene Brown in her book, Daring Greatly, how the courage to be vulnerable transforms the way we live, love, parent, and lead, described the narcissist as the person caught in the plight of the very vulnerable soul who is fearful of the trap of the ordinary and, and of living life unnoticed by those around them. She writes this, When I look at narcissism through the vulnerability lens, I see the shame-based fear of being ordinary. I see the fear of never feeling extraordinary enough to be noticed, to be lovable, to belong, or to cultivate a sense of purpose. It's interesting, in that sense, self-pity more than pride is the ultimate the ultimate problem, it's the ultimate manifestation of narcissism. The victim mindset fueled by self-pity is the ultimate narcissist. And that is what moved in Lucifer's heart and mind. Poor me. God doesn't recognize me. With all my abilities, all my understandings, why doesn't he come to me? In the persons of Jesus Christ and his antagonist Lucifer, the universe can see two exact opposite beings on the stage of the universe The first was the selfless one who lived and died for others and for our sins. Jesus Christ, our hero. I want to raise my hand today. I'm going to say that Jesus is my hero. Anybody with me in that? Christ is my hero. You can forget superstars, Hollywood nonsense. Christ is my hero. The second person on the stage was the selfish one, not the selfless one, the selfish one, who tried to make himself his own God and to promote sin, which is the new law of self instead of selflessness. You know, how did he come up with a law like that? Well, I'm going to tell you how he did. Lucifer wasn't stupid. He was very smart. He was a political philosopher trying to re-engineer the law of God. Like John Locke and Thomas Hobbes and Rousseau, he studied nature. And he assumed that based on what can be observed from nature, knowing that God exists, knowing that God is all-powerful, all-knowing, knowing that God is all-present, that you can assume certain things which in reality are wrong. But one of those assumptions was this that an all-powerful, all-knowing God cannot intrinsically be selfless. Because if you have all the power, all the knowledge in the universe, how can you give anything? 
What is half of everything? It's meaningless if you have it all. You see, God had to reveal to Lucifer for the one day God in Christ would come to a cross and there he would empty heaven's bank account because all the treasures, all the riches of eternal God that was in the bosom of the Father from all eternity was poured out on Calvary's cross. That is the price that God pays to demonstrate that God is his law of selfless love. Lucifer didn't buy that. But he knew it, though, because it had been revealed to him. Jesus said he was a murderer from the beginning. And knowing that, he set his course to bring the Son of God to his ruin, to make himself like the Most High God. Selfish, narcissistic. Isaiah says of Jesus that he had no form or commonness that we should desire him, that he looked like a root out of dry ground. Imagine having facial cream to fix that. Ezekiel says of Lucifer that he was created perfect in his beauty, that he was enamored with his beauty and wisdom and corrupted by reason of his selfie. Lucifer said, I will ascend. Jesus came down. Lucifer said, I will make myself like the Most High God. Jesus, though he was in the very form of God from all eternity, did not think equality with God something to be held on to. So he emptied himself as he took the form of a servant, Paul says in Philippians 2. And then being found in human form, he humbled himself even to death on a cross. Christ came from the very bosom of the Father, the highest heaven, the deepest point of destination. He knew God as God, and he let it go to die for our sins, to reveal God to us. Humility. Lucifer appointed himself to be someone great. God appointed Jesus because his character was selfless, because Jesus is truly great. In Daniel 8, it talks about the little horn power, the Antichrist power, being like Lucifer in Isaiah 14. It says it rose up to be equal to the prince of the host. It appointed itself as the high priest of the heavenly sanctuary in the Middle Ages. But in Hebrews 5, 5, and 6, it says Christ did not appoint himself to be made a high priest. But he was appointed by him who said, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. As it says in another place, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. When Christ died on the cross, when Christ suffered for our sins, when Christ went through hell for us and gave up eternal life in his own mind in the darkness of the cross to save us. On resurrection morning, God Almighty swore an oath that he would raise him from the dead. He would never die again. He would be our high priest forever because he is the most humble, the most precious, selfless being in the universe. I say it again, Jesus is my hero. Is that valid? Jesus is my hero. I could go on, but the contrast is clear if you read scripture. Jesus is the most humble and selfless person in the universe who defined his greatness by living and dying and giving for others and doing it all in love for God and for us. In contrast, Lucifer is the most selfish, egotistical, proud being in the universe who made his dark watermark by trying to make himself great in the eyes of God and others. In the end, he will be abhorred according to the book of Daniel. In the book of Ezekiel and Isaiah, he'll be abhorred. To be a follower of Jesus Christ, friends, we must value who Jesus Christ is on the inside of Jesus Christ. He had no form or comeliness that we should desire him. He didn't look better than any other man. As a preexistent being in the form of the angel of the Lord, he didn't look better than Lucifer. He was always the humble one who marked out his existence as God among us, but in humility. So to be a follower of Jesus, we got to go inside. We've got to find out who Jesus is on the inside. What makes him tick? One symbol more than any other defines the magnificent character of Jesus Christ. 
We'll continue with today's Reaching Your Heart and Pastor Michael Oxentenko in just a moment. So please stay tuned. If you'd like to attend the worship service, I will have details on how you can do that here at the close of our broadcast today. You can always attend online at reachinghearts.org slash video. That's reachinghearts.org slash video. Many archived messages are available there for you, and you can attend the live service in a streaming format at that website, reachinghearts.org slash video. Let's continue now with Pastor Michael Oxentenko in today's Reaching Your Heart. Friends, Jesus is the humble man who chose to carry the cross for us for all time. The cross is the symbol of the Son of God. Matthew 16, 21, the Bible says from that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And not that he was forced to, he had to do it. Now verse 22, and Peter took him and began to rebuke him saying, God forbid, Lord. You don't ever want to tell Jesus, God forbid, Lord. I mean, God is in Christ. God forbid, Lord, this shall never happen to you. How many times in our lives have we told God that we know more than God? How many times in our lives have we defined the will of God because of what we want as an outcome? When Jesus told Peter that he must die, Peter would have none of this cross and death talk for Jesus' future. Peter thought he was helping Jesus, and a little smarter also by shielding Jesus as a protector of Jesus from his God-ordained destiny to take up his cross and die for us all. He didn't know the ramifications of Christ's death, but he was standing in the way. The word Satan in Hebrew means to obstruct, literally. The verb Satan is used for Balaam's donkey. The angel of the Lord was standing in the way, literally Sataning Balaam's donkey so he couldn't move between the path there. And it means to obstruct. And Peter was obstructing Jesus from the will of God. Isaiah called Jesus the servant who would be high and lifted up and would astonish many nations as he gave his life for the world. Peter wasn't concerned with that. Look at verse 23 in your Bibles. But he, Jesus, turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. Man, an amazing thing to tell your disciples. Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me. That's the meaning of the word Satan, obstructor. For you are not on the side of God, but of men. Jesus made it absolutely clear to Peter that Jesus is all about God and not about Jesus. It's not about me. It's about God's will in my life. Verse 24, then Jesus told his disciples, if any man would come after me. Now that word man is generic. It means man and woman. Let him, which means us, deny himself, all of us, and take up his, our cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake. How do you like that? For my sake will find it. Friend, Jesus defines greatness as giving, living, and dying for others. To be wholly his means to be like him. Holiness. To be wholly his. Holy is a pun, rightly so. Holy, set apart. Holy, entirely his. It means to value what he values, to live the way he would live, to like what you see when you look inside of the character of Jesus Christ. Friend, Jesus will forever be known in all eternity by his cross and his scars. Those are his trophies. As Christians, we who follow Christ, we will be known in all eternity 
by the cross we value, the cross we carry, and the scars we bear also in our life for the sake of Jesus. And what does it mean to be holy and to be a follower of Jesus Christ? I've talked a lot in recent weeks about justification by faith and prayer, the importance of being accepted by Jesus. But you know what? God accepts you so you can grow So you can know you can come into full obedience and a life of meaning with Jesus. And that's the process of sanctification. So to answer that question that I just mentioned, what does it mean to be holy, to be a follower of Jesus Christ? The answer must be seen through the lens that is the cross. The Apostle Paul understood that the only glory that matters in the Christian life is the glory we give to Jesus because of the cross of Christ. That's the motivating factor for a true believer. Galatians 6.14. Paul says, But far be it from me to glory except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Here Paul contrasts the cross with the world. On one side you have the cross, the other side you have the world. We're in between. We have to choose Paul said, the world has been crucified to me. That means the world has died in my heart, in my mind, because of the cross. I don't value the world more than the cross. I am not a worldly person anymore because of the cross. I don't seek the world and its pleasures anymore as primary or at all because I am a person of the cross. I don't glory in it and its fame anymore. I don't want it and its values anymore because I glory in the cross of Christ. And he says that I have been crucified to the world. An amazing statement. That means there's something in all of us that has to die, that has to be crucified so that Christ can live inside of us. In this respect, we must become like him. We have to put ourselves on that cross to get rid of all those little selfies in our life that's all about us, that gum it all up so that our Christian witness, our walk with God is obstructed. And so the call of Christ is the radical call of discipleship. Friend, when we are crucified with Christ, it is no longer we who live, but Jesus Christ who lives in us. Thus, our life does not belong to us anymore. Galatians 2 verse 20, Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I like this, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The key words here are crucify, live, love, and give. These are the values and actions that define us as authentic Christians. What does it mean to be a Christian? It means to crucify yourself, to live, love, and give. To crucify oneself for God and others is to live, to love, and to give for God for the sake of others. To live for God and others. To love God and love others. Does that mean to love people you like? I ask you that question. Does it mean to love people you like or love people whoever they are? How many people does God love? Does God love you because you're perfect? Or does God love you because he loves you? He loves you because he loves you. And friend, he wants us to love people because we should love them. And get this notion out of our minds that we love them because they're good to us or they measure up in our minds. No one does. We love people for the same reason Jesus did. To give back to God who gave Jesus for the whole world. We can only do it by loving others. 
That is what it means to be wholly his and to recognize our high calling in light of the cross and thus be a Christian. Someone could ask me the question, Pastor Mike, what is Bible perfection? And Bible perfection is loving others and loving God. That's it. That's Bible perfection. So when people talk about getting perfect to vindicate the character of God as if God's a weakling and can't do it himself, I'd like you to know that when you love God and you love others, as far as God is concerned, by faith, you're perfect. You grow in that, but that is what he is seeking in our lives. Nassim Nicholas Tlaib once wrote that love without sacrifice is like theft. To love is to give. To give is to sacrifice. And to sacrifice is to take up our cross daily and follow Jesus. He's our hero. We hear far too many sermons in the church today, and I've written some that I'm ashamed of in the past, about what God can give me or how God can meet my needs. As Christians, we don't live for those things anymore. We live to give. We live to sacrifice. We live to love. We live for God because Jesus died for us and Jesus is God. And when we are doing the things that Jesus would do, it is Christ in us, the hope of glory. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15. I like this. For the love of Christ controls us. Some people say, well, what would control me? My life's out of control. I can't seem to do what's right. I seem to fall into sin. Now notice what it says here. It doesn't say the fear of God controls you. It says the love of Christ controls us. Now in Deuteronomy 10, 12, the fear of the Lord is the love of the Lord your God. The right kind of fear is the love of God. That will conclude the first portion of Holy His and Our High Calling. You can find it online at reachingyourheart.com. And make sure you join us again next time when we'll conclude this broadcast. Thank you so much for listening today. We would really love it if you would join us for our worship service. It's held every Saturday at 11 o'clock and Wednesday at 7.30 p.m., either online or in person. If you would like to join us in person, that address is 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland. 20707. Or if you're more comfortable, you're certainly welcome to watch online at reachinghearts.org slash video. reachinghearts.org slash video. The live broadcast will be streaming and available for you on that website. reachinghearts.org slash video. Thanks for listening, and we do pray that God is reaching your heart. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. 
Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.